Hey there, welcome to episode 23 of the Paula and Joe show. If you're new here, here's a quick rundown of what you need to know. It's 24 minutes of raw business analysis and change talk. And when the countdown timer buzzes, we're done. I'm Joe Newbert, and as always, I'm alongside me is my BAFF, Paula Bell. How's it, Paula? Please tell us what's up in this episode. It is going great, Joe. Summer's been good, even though it's about to end here in the state soon. School's back in session, but everything's going great. I'm healing up. My foot's doing better. So, you know, can't complain, can't complain. So That's I'm happy about hear. that. Yes, great to co-host with you, of course, again today. And what's in this session today? Today is all about storytelling. We have two wonderful gentlemen who are going to talk to us about storytelling. We have Ian Richards, located in the UK. He works for Peregrine, and he is the Director of Business Analysis at Peregrine. And then we have Philip Hendricks, who is located in Belgium, and he is a speaker, trainer, coach, and author on business analysis. So Philip, you and I do the same work. So that is that is awesome. I'm, I'm excited about this session and the conversation that we'll have today. So welcome, Ian and Philip. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, it's good to have you guys on the show. Um, we're very keen to hear your story, telling us how we can sort of maybe craft better stories when we go about our business analysis work. So thanks for joining us today to help share your expertise. Pleasure. Yes, yes, yes. Well, let me kick it off. I have a question. I, want, I, I can start us off with our first question and either one of you can answer, but what are the benefits of storytelling as a technique? You might even want to talk a little bit about what is storytelling for those who may not even know. They've heard the term, but they're really not familiar with what it is. Never know. Well, let me perhaps start with a very small example. Um, as a hobby, I do a lot of running. And last weekend, I was at a running event and I met someone I'd never met before. And we got talking and he explained to me that he had been doing a few marathons a few years ago. And then he ran once 75 kilometers in one go. Interesting, but it's not very sticky. But actually what happened was that a few years back, his father had died at the age of 75. So we decided in honor of my father, I want to do a 75K run. And he created a route that spelled that. That's a story that is. <clears throat> That's a good story. So having a story as short as this one was, makes people remember stuff and makes it brings things to life. And as BA professionals, we have a lot of interesting knowledge, but if we can wrap a story around it, then it will stick. Then we, people will remember it and people will probably also more act upon it, which is for me why storytelling is so valuable and important. Yeah, and it's nothing new, is it? I mean, the storytelling has been there through the ages. We, As a child, I learned about Aesop's fables and there were some key messages in that. You know, and they've stood the test of time. So it's about things sticking in the brain when you're, I guess, when you're on transmit mode, it's better to wrap a story around it because it's entertaining and people will will remember it. Yeah, that, 
That's really I, nice. Um, I, I enjoy your story about the runner. I mean, I, I feel like I'm going to remember that story now for a good while to come. It really does um, stick, as you say. And um, I mean, Ian, you mentioned, yeah, I mean, stories have been around since the cavemen, right? Um, probably started off with pictures before it became words. Won't you sort of share with us, like, what are the constructs of a good story? What, what do I need to think about in terms of structures, in terms of the, the contents of the story? Is, is there any kind of template that sort of works? Well, I guess there are key components. And um, I think I mentioned in the, in, in the, in the book that, that we've written that there is a tribe in, in Africa, a nomadic tribe, uh, which go on a kind of big walks. They take people with them, and they don't have they don't have any TV. And they sit around the campfire, and they talk and and tell stories. And they say, if somebody can't tell an interesting story, they don't listen to them. So it needs to be interesting for me. Obviously, it needs a start and an end. And and for me, it needs um, it needs to engage with people. It needs you know it it needs to have a takeaway as well. So people need to get something from it. Uh, you've heard some people say every now and again a kind of story with no end, and it's kind of what, what, what does that mean? You know, there needs to be a point to that. But I guess when we talk about stories, if they can have some maybe some drama, some intrigue, it doesn't have to. Some humour often works. So yeah, there's, there's many components, and I think there's no set component that it needs. It it needs to be adapted for the situation and the message. Yeah. Okay. What I what I would add is a beginning for me is important that you kind of have a setting the scene. What is this going to be about? Um, you are trying to explain something for a given situation or context. And it has to have some direction. You have to kind of know where you are heading, but you don't have to know the details of the end just yet. And I think that's for me kind of a, a takeaway for professional life as well. If you do a project, if you can predict the end, then you're not open for surprises along the way. Uh, so having the direction is important, but it can be surprising near the end. Uh, so for me, that's kind of the balance between um, having clear what it's going to be about, but not too clear. Um, that's actually a great, what you're saying, Philip, is actually a great segue into business analysis, right? Because business analysis is gray. It's not always black and white. You don't always know what you're going to encounter. You can start with a scope or beginning point, And then by the time you get to the end, it could have changed or things could have morphed or strategies could have changed. And so I think there's that relation there as you talk about the constructs and the components. It does relate back to the work that we do as business analysts. So how and where can we use stories to effectively do our job as a business analyst? So, so for me, I think that there's a different side to storytelling that's really useful for business analysts, and that's getting other people to talk. Now, sometimes they, you know, some people are a little bit nervous talking to you. They don't really know why as a business analyst, but I've walked into situations which are you know, operational uh, call handlers, and I'd say something like, tell me about the worst situation you had. Or tell me about the best, the most enjoyable part of your work. And that gets them talking, gets them to engage a little bit more. But there are also, so for me, there are techniques like dialogue, uh, day in the life of. That's about storytelling. Tell me about the, your life and how you know, your typical work day for you. 
What do you do? Do you know, how does this process work? You know, you tell me about what you do. So it's about engaging, getting them to talk and, for, and a way of you getting that information that you need away from them by asking open questions. Yeah, and another often used technique is user stories. They're called stories for a reason. I read a lot of user stories, but I often miss the story behind it. And if I don't know the story behind it, if I don't understand where it comes from, if I can't empathize with the stakeholder that will benefit from the user story, then it's going to be much more difficult to implement it well. It's going to be, it's not going to be easy for me to really stand in the shoes of the other person and make us create a solution that is suited for, for their problem or, or challenge. Uh, so maybe we need to create more stories when we create user stories and it can be very small stories. I think the small ones are very powerful, um, but there's always a story behind it. And if you can grasp that story, then I think you will be able to create better solutions. I think you can use I almost it feel like this. So with personas as well, you've got a backstory, haven't you? When you create the personas, you create a backstory for them so that you can understand and empathize with them. I mean, then you can do a customer journey map. Do you know, it's the same. It's just, it's the story. So it's, again, getting the experience. Sorry, Paula. Oh, no, no. That was great because you were saying personas. I was about to say the same goes with business process, I think. As you do processes and you try to understand how a process works, there's a story behind that process. There's a story behind that pain. So as we can see here, there's a lot of different touch points in the tools and techniques that we use that can leverage stories or understanding the story behind it can make us more efficient. I've got a, a little story about um, the time where I was um, in the old Bailey, which is a, a, a really old um, a courtroom. It's the old, biggest courtroom in, in London. And I worked in the custodial areas. And the, the, the escorts, the prisoner escorts, wouldn't talk to me. They said, we've seen people, uh, transformational staff like you, come and go. Do you know, and nothing happens. There's no change. We don't benefit. And I, and I had to empathize with them and said, yeah, probably, but I'm here to stay. You know, tell me about what's the biggest pain. And what I did was a, did a, a day in the life of, and they would say, well, the problem is, you know, this, this happens and uh, sometimes this happens. And before long, they were telling me stories because they started to open up to me because I put something visual on the board. And I said, help me fill this out. So it's getting them to talk as well. Yeah. Um, I think there's a couple of sides to this, right? Um, I'm hearing you about personas, customer journey maps, business processes, right? Their are ways of telling stories um, from one perspective or a different perspective, getting people to tell you, like, tell me about a time that it went really badly or tell me about a time that it went really well because you start to get more detail then. So it's a great way for getting a lot more tacit information as well, isn't it? Um, yes. You're sort of encouraging people because they relax. So I think that's really great. So I'm hearing from an investigation perspective, stories working for me to be able to like investigate, be able to elicit. I feel like there's another side to this as well, but that perhaps just needs telling. So as much as listening to stories and encouraging people to tell us stories, we perhaps need to tell stories too, to, to executives, to management, to people we need to sell, I guess, is the word that we need to lead to. How can we 
sell using stories? Have you got any um, perhaps tips for us there? Um, I think this may be an example where you do start with the end in mind because executives typically don't have that much time. They're busy people. I mean, we're all busy people, but if you can grab them for a few minutes, start with what you need from them, with how they can help you or how you can help them and dive into the details of the story as they ask you for more information. So I guess you have to flip it on its head a little bit here. Yeah. How about painting a picture and say, what a wonderful world it would be if you had this and you had that. It'll take a journey to get there and you'll have to help me out, you know, help me get there. Uh, but selling, selling the dream, selling the, that's what the target operating model is, isn't it? Selling the dream. And then you have a roadmap of how you're going to get there. Yeah. Pictures and words, right? Pictures and words are, are, are coming yeah. back. Um, just because you dropped in the word information there, Philip. Data. How? What other techniques can we blend with storytelling? Because I, I feel like the best technique is always a combination of techniques, a blend of them. And I feel like data could probably play quite a big role in a story. Yes, when you say data, I think of two things. The first is information. We often get lost in the data, but what is the information if you take a step back? What are the key uh, concepts in our organization that are relevant? Uh, can we identify them and can we have a shared definition of them? Ask around in your organization five people to define customer, you will get five different answers. Um, but also, we have so much data and so much statistics visualizing them uh, so that it's understandable, so that the data tells you a story. I think that's also a key element uh, that doesn't get always the attention it needs. We see a lot of boring graphics that don't really say much uh, about what the data means. Uh, so I think there definitely the combination of story and visualization is key. So there's, uh, I'm not sure whether you get Mars in uh, South Africa. Uh, you'll remember Mars bars though, Joe, I'm Mars sure you bars. will. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and they had data or information that showed them that their, their sales were going down in summer. So they changed, and uh, this is in uh, old storyline, they changed one of the things in that bar, and that was ice cream. They put ice cream in yeah. instead of the nougat, and sales went up in the summer. So that kind of that data showed that that story, and they took action because of it. Yeah, that's that's really nice. I love Mars bar ice creams. I haven't had one of those in years. In fact, okay, thanks, Ian. Very very nice. So, I'm assuming Joe, you didn't have any other follow up items on that on that piece as you talked about information and data. I don't want to jump in if you had some because no, I know I, sometimes I, you'll be percolating, and so I just <laughs> want to make sure. You, you <laughs> make sure, sure. I, the floor is all yours. The, please take the mic. <laughs> okay, so what I would like to talk about a little bit is: can you give some basic principles? that our audience can go away with when they listen to this pod and practice, actually apply things, maybe some best practices, things that have worked really well, as far as how do you tell a story? How do you receive a story in? 
pretty much bring us home with some best practices. So I think that a really good technique when using storytelling is to back it up visually. I always tell all the all the business analysts that, that would listen to me uh, to work visually, uh, especially when they go into a, a new, um, I guess, a new project or a new workplace uh, where they don't know the domain knowledge that much to create a rich picture and to communicate through that and to build it up. It's never, it's never finished, is it, a, a rich picture? It's always a work in progress. And to build it up with stories uh, that people tell you. But the stories and just talking need to be recorded because uh, they're in the brain. It's how we record that down. And I always say work visually. Yeah. I would add to that, uh, co-create a story. Because if the story is co-created by a group of people, uh, there will be much more engagement and involvement and enthusiasm to actually make it happen and uh, the vision that you have created to make it happen. Um, so it's maybe not a technique on how to do storytelling, but if you work together, you will get better stories and you will get everyone uh, on board, which I think is, is a key element of the communicative and collaborative part of stories. And that's part of sales, well, isn't it? If you can make it their idea or your idea can be yeah. the client's idea, then it's much, much more, uh, better chance of success. Do you have any we, we, advice on individuals who might be introverted, who are very uncomfortable with either telling stories or pulling out stories or those individuals who don't like to speak up, who you've got to really work hard to get them to tell the story? Do you have any best practices for individuals who might encounter these things? So I was just going to say, a key element of co-creating a story is listening. And typically introverts are very good at listening and understanding what people are about and what's behind, what's the background of people. There is a, a takeaway somewhere in the book that says everyone has a history and the HI is in, in brackets. Uh, so it's the history of people, it's a story they have to tell. Uh, it's about listening and then reflecting back what you have heard. Did I understand? I understood this. Is that correct? Is that what you're trying to say? And the story will, will come out of it, I think. I, I would add to that. And uh, if you're an introvert, I would probably talk about what you know first. Football team or what, whatever interest you have and build that rapport that way. Find out what they, you know, what they like and then you can branch out into that once you've got a little bit more confidence that uh, that you've got something in common with that person or you've spent that time building that rapport yeah that's a, that, that, that's that's some nice tips there um i feel like you've dropped a, th a few breadcrumbs for me so maybe it's time that i held up the book right um co-created by you two um a story about business analysis right you mentioned small, powerful stories earlier. This, this, you, you could almost read each little chapter. Chapter almost seems sometimes too big, too big a block, perhaps to call it. But you could read each little component in there individually. It's a wonderful um, set of a story. Tell us a little bit about about the book, the idea behind the book, maybe how you two got together to write the book. Okay, so I've always wanted to write a book, personally. Um, I've always found it good, you know, easy to write, 
but I knew I wouldn't create some masterpiece, you know. So I wanted to write them, yeah. I wanted to write about what I know about. So it was business analysis, but I didn't want to write it on my own. And I'd spoken to Philippe and um, and we'd share some ideas and uh, hold him in high regard as a, as a business architect. So I got in contact, I said, fancy writing a book? And he said, yeah, okay, <laughs> great. So we got together in uh, London in uh, an Airbnb for, I think it was five nights. And we had a big white wall with lots of uh, lots of post-it notes. We scoped it out. And uh, it the next three years was writing that book. A uh, bit stop-start, but we, we, we're both busy people. Um, so I wrote probably, if we look at word count, I probably wrote about 80% of it because I guess I'm um, it, it's my first language. Well, it's not Philip's, but uh, where Philip came in was uh, the 25 techniques that we have. Uh, he did a lot of work in, in that and the fresh looks at those. Do you have anything to add, Philip? Yeah, that's right. You forgot an important part, which is beer. Uh, we can <laughs> over uh, a beer in the pub in, in London. Um, yeah. And I, I leave it to the potential reader to discover what that key element is. Um, but yeah, uh, so after the week in London, we had like an overview of a little over 20 chapters, knowing what is each chapter about, what is the main character of this chapter, what are they going to do? And um, then the challenging part was creating that storyline, weaving in the techniques in a way that makes it, that keeps the reading easy. Uh, because it's, if you explain what a certain process model looks like and how, how you create it, it tends to get boring quickly. Uh, we did not want to create yet another textbook. There are plenty of decent textbooks out there. So we want to create something different. So that was really challenging. Uh, how do we get the BA content into the story? How do we get the visuals, the models in such a shape that they're understandable by themselves without needing a lot of explanation and still insightful enough as an example for readers to apply themselves? Uh, so that took quite a bit of uh, time and a bit of soundboarding between us. And maybe interestingly, obviously, we had some important discussion points like the business case, how big should a business case be? We had different viewpoints on that. And then we realized that this is actually a conversation that is happening inside organizations every day. So we decided not to choose the right uh, kind of business case, but introduce the conversation as part of the story in the book, because that's the conversation RBAs will be having as well. So they can see both viewpoints and try to find what is the best approach in their specific situation. Yeah, that's it's it's really nice how, how you've done that. You've you, you've taken people's thoughts out of their own head and put them down on paper, and through that, they of course now feel very normal in the kind of questions that they they have bouncing around. So I think it's a great a great help for for the community. Um, we wanted to make it fun as well. So Joe, we wanted to make it fun and different. So we had avatars, you know, like we did when we were reading books as children. Um, we've got humour in there we've got even got romance in there so if anybody likes a good story but wants to learn something then um, it may be the book for them yeah so how much of these stories are based on real life experience that are in there <laughs> so I pick that one. I, there's quite a few there's uh, i've worked on some great projects and uh, from my perspective i've created we've created um, a character called david which is 
he's a bit boring, but he's the most like me, unfortunately, in terms of characters. <laughs> and there's a lot of me in David, and uh, he's worked, you know, in that courtroom, in, in you know, in the dungeons part of the court. He brings a lot of that learning. Um, Abby is ex forces, and I'm in the British Army Reserve. So there's a plenty of me in there. There's plenty of Philip. Um, oh, you you, you can say your techniques that you've used. Yeah, the techniques are inspired by real life cases, obviously. Uh, some of the people as well in the book are based on people within my family, uh, which is fun and which makes it uh, easier to write as well because you relate to those people. I, I feel like what, what, what's that? Those little words you get at the end of the movie where it says, you know, nobody in this book is based on any like real life events. Honest. <laughs> 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 We know the boring money and we established that. <laughs> I heard a buzzer, didn't I? You did hear a buzzer, yeah. Very tuned in ears, um, which brings us to a close. The buzzer always does cut us off, but I, I, I want to say um, I want to say thank you for joining us. It, it's, it's been nice to talk about the stories. Really, you know, it's going to get me thinking about because I think stories need to weave in and out of things, don't they? And they take a bit of skill to do. So I, I, I will, um, I will slowly build up my confidence, much like uh, Ian suggested, and try and do more of this. Paula, what did you, what did you get out of this? Well, I got a few things, right? I liked how the story, the construct of the story. You don't have to have everything known. You don't have to have all the details. You just go with what you know and you build as you go, which I think was a great alignment to what we do as business analysts. It's not just about you talking, but it's also about getting other people to talk. So you have to listen and through that listening, you'll you'll gain some, some hopefully some great seeds. And then it's about not only investigation, but showing information and doing it visually. So I think there were a lot of great touch points that I got from from the from the conversation today that I'll keep in mind as I do things too. And know your audience. Know who your audience is that you're working on the stories with. Yeah, nicely put. Thank you, Paula. Right, I'm gonna hand over to you, Philip. You can close us out. Tell us about you and Ian, where we can get a hold of you, where we can get a hold of the book as well, please. Yeah, so um Thanks for the opportunity. Um, the links are here. So Ian and myself, we're both on LinkedIn and we are more than happy to share uh, our, our experience or our thoughts or give feedback, whether it's on business analysis or if you maybe think about writing your own book and you want to hear uh, how easy or difficult it is and how to go about it, feel free to get in touch with us on LinkedIn or by email. And if you're interested in the book, you can check it out at our website, brainyglue.com. There is a link to purchase a PDF copy, which is basically an email to me. Um, there are a couple of links to Amazon where you can get the Kindle version and the paperback version. And there is also a 16 chapter sample, which you can freely download to check it out before you actually buy the book and see if you like it. So those are the places you can go to. Lovely. Thank you very much, Philip. Um, 
definitely a book worth checking out. But thanks, Ian and Philip, for joining us. And thank you for tuning in. We appreciate your support. You can subscribe to The Paula and Joe Show on your pod player of choice, iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, YouTube and more. And if you enjoyed the show, please do help pass the pod by leaving a review and a five-star rating. You can keep the riff going by leaving your comments over on the blog at 168.fm. That's the words 168, not the numbers. Follow us as at 168 on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. We'd love to hear your take on storytelling and business analysis. Ian, Philip, Paula and I will join you there. Until then, take care. Keep growing.